This is Solid Snake, and you're listening to the Mana Tank Podcast. So pay some damn attention. Fifteenth, twenty twelve. My name is Matt Eads. You're listening to the Mattatag Podcast. Joined today, well, you're listening to the Metal Gear Podcast. Joined today, Olive Regular. Hello, Eric Peterson. Hello, and none other than David B. Hader. Hello, voice of of many snakes. Yes, that's right. Uh, <laughs> more more snakes than a herpetologist. Someone who studies snakes. Oh. What about somebody who eats snakes? That's a uh, that's a, a herpetarian. Herb herbivore herbivore. I just hmm. made it. We'll go with his answer. I like his better. <laughs> Sounds he, official. He seems more qualified to. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome everyone to the 25th anniversary, the, the Metal Gear 25th anniversary podcast. 25 years of Metal Gear, which uh, it's no secret that Oliver. And I are quite enthralled with, and uh, we figured what better way to celebrate than uh, to bring the voice of, really the voice of Metal Gear, on the show. Well, it's, it's an honor to be here, guys. It's, it's, uh, that's very cool, and hard to believe 25 years has gone by so quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, uh, we, we worked it out. It's been 14 years, I think, since... Since uh, Solid, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, since Solid Snake had a voice. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and I don't. Uh, sad to say, I have never played uh, the earlier games. So, um, yes, for me, it has been a 14-year journey, but remarkable nonetheless. You mean you mean the the first games in the series of me- the original original Metal Gears on the Apis system, the MSX. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah I haven't uh, had a chance to play those. Um, are they still available somehow, or you know, can you get them on your iPhone or something? Um. On the Metal Gear 3 subsistence special uh-huh. editions, they included those, and I think they're included... Um, yes, they're they in the are HD, included in the HD The collections. HD remake for PS3, oh, okay. yeah. Oh, so I already have them at home. You are missing out on just headbanging, like, toughness and the weird logic. most impossible nonsense-making games ever made. Oh, awesome. And I don't know how people, like, before the advent of the internet, I don't know how people pass that game. I swear to God... Right. Uh, well, he was always pretty, pretty tricky. I mean, the uh, there's the classic Psycho Mantis fight where you had to switch your controller port, and I think that frustrated and amazed many, many thousands of people around the world. How did like I always wonder because I mean back in 1998, you know, there was the internet, but it wasn't as prevalent. Yeah. How like how many people just got stuck on that fight and were like, I can't ah, just turn the game off, never picked up Metal Gear again. I don't know. You know, my experience was unique in that I had recorded the scenes, so I, I knew what I had to do. So I <laughs> switched the controller port and went on. I would imagine uh, I would have been one of those people that just got angry and smashed the uh, the controller at, at a certain point. Well, uh, wasn't there a codec bit that came in where they gave you kind of a subtle hint? That yeah. That's, that's what you had to there do? There was. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. After, after four or five times, Psycho Mantis comes in and says something about, you know, Switching ports, or somebody, uh, some, or the colonel. Colonel, yeah. Try this. Yeah, as a guy, as a guy that played it as it happened, I, I had my share of like, what the hell am I supposed to do? This guy can read my mind. Like, I swear to God, he knew I like Castlevania. I know he, he could read your memory card. He and could, shook my controller. But, and there was the other thing where you you could only get 
somebody's codec number by looking at the box. There was yeah, Meryl. Yeah, yeah that's right. Through, I'm playing through Metal Gear Solid 1 right now, and I just got to that part again where it's like, look on the back of the CD case. And oh, did they sure talk? They tell you to do it? Yeah. Yeah, Roy Campbell actually comes out and specifically says, maybe it's on the back of the CD case. And I remember playing it as a kid. I borrowed it from a friend, and I didn't have the case. Right, right. So I kind of hit a brick wall there, and I had to phone him up, and he was on vacation, and it was just a big mess. It's anti-pirating. Yeah. Well, he understood how important the call was. Dave, are you... Dave. Me. Are you familiar with Metal Gear Awesome? Oh, hotness. I want to bang you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's that bit in there where the guy sort of gives up, like, and then he talks to his buddy, like, I don't know, what's he talking about? The back of the, the CD case or whatever. He's like, oh, the back of the literal CD case. And yeah, and he's like, well, how am I supposed to know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah, Metal Gear Awesome. Uh, Chris Zimmerman, who has directed every English language version of the game, um brought in Metal Gear Awesome and she was like, Oh my god, you have to watch this and we and we watched it in the in the studio when we were working <laughs> Metal Gear Three. So great. And then I hosted the anime expo at uh, in LA in two thousand eight and Ego Raptor showed up with his friend uh, I don't I don't remember her name, but she was dressed as Princess Peach and um and they uh and so we got to meet in front of like a panel of five or a group of five thousand people. It was very, it was very cool. Eagle Raptor was on last seasons of the Tester. The Tester. Ugh, the Tester. I don't know what the Tester. It's this reality show that they have on the PSN. Um, people oh. compete against one another to be the play, the next PlayStation Tester. I see. It's a little foolish. It's 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 awfully foolish, but I I actually really like watching it. Right. And Eagle Raptor was actually pretty entertaining on that. He's funny. I mean, he, you know, we we talked about doing something together, but it just hasn't come together. He makes good videos. He does. He's a sharp guy. Well, should we get on with these questions or what? Sure, sure, yeah. What, uh, just before, you know, we get into things, obviously you've played all the Metal Gear games. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that include all the, the portable ones? No, um... I am, well, I played through, I think, half of Portable Ops, um, and I am about halfway through Peace Walker right now on the high-def version. And, um, and then the other ones, the card games, I didn't really play because I wasn't really in them, and it's more of a, uh, uh, you know, um, self-interest that drives yeah, rather than a desire for good gaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a desire to hear, you know, how good I am in some places and how horrible I am in other places, you know, just to sort of torture myself. Um, Which is actually not true. I'm being glib. I, I love the games and they're they're amazing. But um, but I, I just didn't have much use for my PlayStation Portable. Uh, you know, I prefer the console games. You and everybody else. Yeah, story yeah. of the portable's life. I basically. literally only bought the PSP for Metal Gear games. Mm-hmm. And is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I the same with me. When Peace Walker came out, I bought a PlayStation Portable to play Peace Walker. Well, I bought it um, also to play Peace Walker, and then two weeks later, I received a camouflage <laughs> PSP in the mail from Mr. Kojima with the games included, and I I, oh. I ended up not having to had to buy it. But, uh, so I actually I think I have three three PlayStation Portables at home, uh, two of which have never been opened. Should raffle those off or something. I yeah. should do. Yeah. That, you, put, a lock, put a lock of your hair in the box. That's right. And eBay. <laughs> the David Hayter hair edition. You, you, I, I can just picture Mr. Kojima out. sort of trolling uh, eBay.com and then he sees David Hayter's PSP. Like, what What the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. Uh, that probably an accurate assessment. <laughs> how, uh, how closely did, did you work with Kojima when... Uh, you know, laying down the dialogue for Snake. Um, very little. Uh, you know, he he's usually in Japan. Um, he came out. I think I met him on the first one uh, briefly. I mean, he you know he came and visited and said hello, and and you know we exchanged little gifts, and uh, I, he wanted me to sign a Guyver uh, doll for him. I think. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, action figure, and, and so he liked me from the Giver, and um, uh, but but it's really you know there. I think his main focus is is the Japanese side of the games, and you know I know he's very involved with that. And then by the time it gets to us to record the English side, the game is usually pretty much done. Um, you know, when we did Metal Gear Four, it wasn't quite as finished. It was a little more simultaneous. Um, and we're constantly in contact with the producers in Tokyo to determine whether a line should go this way, whether it should go that way, and what have you. Um, but, but really, I, I've met Mr. Kojima maybe four or five times over the past 14 years, and, uh, and usually it's a social thing. I mean, you know, we, I ran into him at an award show, I, uh, you know, or he came, he came to show me the gameplay on Metal Gear 4, um, last time we were around, and he came in with two two translators and a and a, a laptop all set up to play the game, and so he showed me, and then went on his way. Hmm. No, he's he's an enigma even to me. <laughs> we saw him at the uh, very nice. We saw him actually at uh, E three. We didn't get a chance to actually talk to him, but um, he just kind of appeared out of the woodworks at E three. We were at the Sony press conference at the the pre show party and. He got off a public bus, like an L.A. public bus. He just walked off the bus. <laughs> it was the craziest thing to see, because everyone's like, oh, my God, it's Kojima. And it's like, why would Kojima be getting off of a public transit bus? And sure enough, there he was taking pictures of people, and then he just went in and sat down at a table and had a few beers, and next thing you know, he was gone. Right. He's like a Japanese uh, gaming spirit or something. Uh, he, he probably owned that bus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> probably owned that street of L.A. Lots of things that's... You know, funky and interesting. Which it would be. Interesting, uh, man. Uh, let me see your sheet here, Oliver. Hold on. Uh, well, maybe before we get into like the the questions about Metal Gear proper, um, maybe a lot of people don't know this, but something that's uh, that is kind of interesting is like, how did you fall into the role of Solid Snake? Well, um, I had. Uh, I, I think it was a number of elements. In fact, some, it just something just occurred to me while we were talking about it. I, it what happened was my first voiceover job in, in Hollywood was I, I did an episode of Major Dad uh, where I guest starred as a Russian as a Russian kid, army brat. Um, and then Helen Hunt's father, Gordon Hunt, is a big voiceover animation director. So he saw the taping, and he hired me to do a Russian on a couple of episodes of Captain Planet. Oh, man. Yeah, so I came in, and that was really cool. And so I went in, and I worked with all the Planeteers, and it was just a blast. And the casting director on that was Chris Zimmerman, who five years later was directing Metal Gear. And my friend Jennifer Hale may have mentioned my name to her. She remembered me. They brought me in, and I auditioned, and I just got the job, um, which was very, very uh, fortuitous because I had no money. And um, so it came at a very good time. And it's occurring to me now that I may have gotten the job because Kojima was a Giver fan, you know, that he knew who I was from Giver and then, and then hired me from that. But, but that, just, that just came to me, so I, I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> You know, he definitely knew about the Giver um, and, and the movie I had done in 93 or whenever it was. Um, so so that's how it was. I mean, I just, I went in and I think, you know, me and 12 other guys auditioned for it and they, they gave it to me. So when you got the, when, when you got the, the job, did you have any foresight of like how big this was ultimately going to end up being? A little bit. Uh, I knew, uh, you know, they had all the artwork up on the walls, the original artwork that you see, you know, in the in the the CD case and the promotional material. So, you know, I, I could see that the artwork was really beautifully done and and um, and looked like they were presenting a big game. And then at a certain point, one of the producers played for me the cutscene from when the um, the Hind D crashes. You know, I'm up on the on the roof of that building, and the Hind D goes down, and it's just this big spectacular thing. And it was the first game where your 
polygonal player character went straight into the cutscenes. You know, that's why he didn't have much of a face in the first one, because, you know, cutscenes back then, you would go, and it would suddenly be a movie that looks so much better than the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Well, this was the first where gameplay and cutscene were interchangeable. You know, you just went straight from one end to the other. So I, I, I did get a sense early on that it was a big game, that they were putting some money behind it, um, and that they were really taking great care to do something groundbreaking. Um, and then when we were recording it, you know, we had really good voice actors, and I felt very good about And so I, I had a sense that it was going to be successful. Um, I didn't have I didn't have any sense that it would go on for 14 more years and you know nine more games and and uh, and become sort of the defining element of my acting career. Uh, you know, but I'm grateful that it has certainly. On that, um, do you sort of resent? Because I know you. Um you like uh, writing. You've obviously obviously written a couple of the screenplays um, for X Men, the two X Men's, Scorpion King and The Watchmen. Is that correct? Yes. Good job on those, by the way. I love those movies. Um, do you do you sort of resent that you are known as, despite that stuff and despite all your other acting uh, jobs or whatever? Do you sort of resent that people only know you as Solid Snake? No, not at all. Um, no, it's awesome. It's badass. I mean, people, it's so funny because, you know, uh, you were talking about, um, well, say it was your friend that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, turning red, talking to me for the first time and getting, you know, all of that. You know, Snake has such an impact on people because you, you spend hours and hours and months and months of your life living through a, you know, a massive extended adventure with this guy. And so, so I get it because I'm a gamer and because I'm a fan, uh, you know, I, I understand how impactful that can be on someone. And, and it's very, very cool that I have, you know, something in my career that, that affects people like that. You know, people don't really realize that I'm primarily a writer uh, you know, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm actually up here directing a film, so I'm a writer and a producer and a director, and I am, you know, pretty successful at that. I, I mean, that's my job and my, and my primary career. Snake is, for Snake and the acting jobs and things like that, that's just pure fun for me, you know? So it's not like, it's not like my whole life is solid snake. When I meet people, um, the bulk of, of what I'm known for is that. But, you know, the other side of my life, you know, I go to, I'm constantly meeting with, you know, the heads of studios and, and you know, big producers, actors, you know, all these Hollywood people. And they don't have any clue what I, you know, mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. A, about my other job. You know, I met, I met, the first time I met David Goyer, um, you know, who's a great, immense screenwriter, he was introduced to me as, as another big screenwriter. And he said, he said, yeah, but don't you... Like, don't you have a side job doing Solid Snake? <laughs> I said, I said, yes, I do. And he was like, oh, my God, dude, that is the most badass side job for a writer I've ever heard. And I was like, yeah, I, I have to agree. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So, you know, it's not like if I were an actor and trying to, and that was my only thing, and nobody saw me as anything else but Solid Snake, I might get a little frustrated with that but uh for the life that i have you know it's just pure fun and it's just immensely gratifying to 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 have this aspect of it cool very cool um did you see any of these that you want to ask them these are all straight from the swag's mind if you will so i mean why why not uh it's debunked it's a debunked uh, i'm just moderating (laughs) the moderator um, Can we get back on topic, please? Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Of all the snakes, now you mentioned that uh, Metal Gear 3 was your favorite, and it's mine too. But of all the yeah. snakes, uh, which one is your favorite between, to, to, to perform as? Between solid, naked, and and solid in disguise as Snake uh, Iroquois Pliskin. Yeah, and old snake. 
Which one did you have the best uh, best time kind of performing? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the first one, you know, the, the, the Shadow Moses incident was so much fun and, and really such an opportunity for me that I really, you know, the whole thing was just great. Um, it, it, you know, it's a complex question. So I, I loved playing, you know, going back and playing... Um, uh, Big Boss before it was playing Naked Snake was really really fun uh, because I could sort of get rid of all of Solid Snake's baggage. You know, Solid mm-hmm. Snake just, just gets boned from birth <laughs> to, to premature death. You know, just being used by the government all over yeah, the place. He's just he's just a clone and gets these horrible diseases and all this stuff. So going back and playing Naked Snake in the in the late '60s. He didn't have any of that yet. He was just an idealistic soldier, and he wanted to go out and be a hero. And it was, you know, so it was a, it was very freeing. So when when I followed that up with Old Snake, that was really depressing. You know, I mean, it was tough to. I, I tried to do a thing where uh, my voice would deteriorate through the game. You know, where he just get older and older, and his voice would just, he, you know, his vocal cords are coming apart, and 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 so. I really was very invested in that game and, and think it, I think it's amazing, but it, it sort of breaks my heart all the way through. And so, um, so in terms of fun, I'd say the first one and the third one were the most fun. Um, but in terms of who I really feel for more, I think it's, it's Solid Snake. You know, he, big boss is the big boss and he, um, He's a little more in control, where Solid Snake is such a victim of his of the shifting winds of his fate, and he very rarely gets a fair deal. So I I, I think I sympathize with him more. Uh, just kind of because we touched on Old Snake was um was there ever any, ever any part uh, you know when recording it where you sort of like raised an eyebrow like huh like they come in and they're like oh uh, this this game around Snake is seventy five. Like, uh, oh. No, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I, uh, I mean, it was surprising, you know, as it was for everybody. But I thought, I thought it was a really original way to to make this character different. You know, it's like he's essentially all of those people you're talking about are essentially the same person. You know, at least genetically. So they're going to have some of the same basic inclinations. They're going to have the same vocal cords. They're going to have the same things. And yet the way Mr. Kojima presents it all, it always feels fresh. It always feels original. So I thought, I thought the old snake thing was a very cool idea. I think it was beautifully executed. Like, you know, the old face, but the, but the young, strong body and, and, um, he had a great ass, that and old the, snake. And the, and the badonkadonk, you know. <laughs> Firm. Um, unaffected by cellular degeneration, if I, if I may say. And, uh, and then the chance to change the voice up like that was really fun. So, no, I, I thought it was really, I thought it was really cool. What about like, uh, was there any moments where you kind of had, you just took a step back from the mic and were like, okay, this is, like, this is crazy. Like, why does Snake have infinite ammo now? I don't, what? Well, um, no, I always appreciate infinite ammo as, as a, <laughs> as a gamer. I'm not as stealthy as I'd like to be in real life. So, um, very often I just end up killing everybody that's available and then want that's around how I do it. picking up what I need, you know, but, um, yeah, well, look, I had a big controversy in 2008 at that same Anime Expo where I said that I had disagreed with the moment where he puts the he puts the gun in his mouth and, he's, and his hands are shaking. You know, he's supposed to kill himself, but his hands are shaking. And he's sort of freaking out, and then screen goes blank and black, and you hear bang. You know, and blows, then he comes back and he's he's okay. You he know, blows his eardrums out. Well, he's missed or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was. So I said, well, first of all, I don't have any respect for a guy who spends his whole life killing thousands of people with ruthless efficiency. And then when it's time to kill himself, he's too afraid to do it. I just don't believe that my understanding of Snake would do that. I think he just put his put the gun in his mouth, pulled the trigger, and 
he's on his way. Um, second, I don't understand why he would pull the trigger if he wasn't aiming at his face anymore. Uh, and so, so I brought those things up, and I just begged them to, you know, reconsider that. But like I say, you know, the game is pretty much done by the time it gets to me. So mm-hmm. there's very little that can be changed. And then when I said that at the Anime Expo, I mean, I still stand by those opinions, but this is just my opinion. And, and then people were like, oh, my God, Hater hated Metal Gear 4, and he just yeah. thought it was badly written or whatever. And I was like, out of, no, no, no. Out of context. Yeah, and it turned into this big, stupid controversy. And I said, look, there are th- I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm a storyteller myself. I'm different from Mr. Kojima. I couldn't write the things that he writes. And sometimes I'll, I'll think it's a great idea. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I don't know. But either way, it's Kojima's game. Whatever he writes is exactly right. I couldn't, I couldn't conceptualize a world this twisted and unusual and completely original. So... Oh, big thunder crash there. Um, it's the wrath of Kojima. He knows you're talking yeah. about him. <laughs> yeah, so, or the, or the, yeah, it's the, it's the outrage from the internet going out right now. Um, so, yeah, there are cool. things, right. like the fact that Meryl marries Johnny Sasaki, the diary kid, <laughs> instead of Snake, who gets to go off to the branch and die, you know, I, I wasn't big on that from a character perspective, but... It's the story. I'm, I'm not. I'm not writing the story. I'm living the story. You know. I just do what they tell me to do. So, um, so that's uh, that's the uh, uh, the basic thing. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's other things that you know. I mean, it's a weird game. You know. Sometimes I'm like, wow, really? This is this is where it's going? But okay, you know. So I just kind of kind of building on that too. Um, I grew uh, up by, with the, by the way, game. I'm sorry, before you go on, you sure. know, there is a massive thunderstorm moving in over me. So if I suddenly disappear, it's because the power's gone off. It's not that I got sick of your... That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> what all the actors say. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone, someone's banging pots in the back. And I'm like, oh, thunder. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I might be gone. Uh, yeah. okay. I'm driving through a tunnel, boys. I'm, I'm yeah. probably going to cut out. Yeah. So I grew up with the Metal Gear games. I bought all of them when they first came out, and I feel like I have a good understanding of what it was, or at least I thought I did until I met one Oliver Aguilar here, and he has just completely destroyed all of my expectations for what there is to know about Metal Gear. Oh, you, a, a true expert. You, oh, through and through. I mean, there was a series of like 30 podcasts in a row where that's all we talked about. He actually was. teaches a course at a Yale on right. uh, Metal Gear. Yeah, they 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 have me in every year. He's an adjunct professor. Really? Doesn't no no, no Dave. <laughs> but so, hell, I would could. love for you to endorse it. I, I would love to have you in one of my seminars. I'll come in and do a, a guest a, a guest lecture. <laughs> my I guess my question for you is obviously you're living the game rather than whereas we're playing the game as as gamers. How well do you understand the the, the storyline and, and everything that's happening in this insane world that Kojima has crafted? Well, it's interesting. It, you know, I read all the scripts. You know, I'm in almost every bit of the games. Uh, so I get to read every branching idea, storyline, all that stuff you may never hit on in the game you know you may just miss one branching conversation or one one event that that you know is buried in the game so so i see all that stuff and there's a lot i get a lot of information just sort of that i just read off the page um but at the same time in the meantime i've worked on you know uh many many screenplays and television uh, scripts and and many other stories of my own and 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 others that I've adapted. So I know the world very well, um, but I don't know it uh, to Oliver's level. I, I, would not, <laughs> I would not. I would not be a professor emeritus. You know. I am going to soundbite that. I'm going to put it all over the internet. Don't worry. Uh, no, nobody knows it to the level of Oliver. But just just as like a, a sort of a confirmation, David B. Hater. Totally 
bows down to me in Metal Gear knowledge. That's what he just said. Yes. Yep. yes I, we heard um, it. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned bowing in any way. <laughs> Quote unquote, not fit to lick your boots. Dave, it's, it's how the internet works. Listen, Oliver, you're certainly fit to lick my boots. Um, no, uh, so, no, 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 I don't. Uh, so to give you an example, I had thought that Eva was my mother and then Solid Snake's mother? That yeah. That. You you might that have thought tr- correct. That is true. Oh no, it is true. So who is who was Ocelot's mother? I got the, this messed The up. boss. The, oh no, 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 no. That's what I thought. I thought the oh, boss okay. was my mother all the way through that game. Like even when I was playing it I thought oh she's she's um she's going to be Solid Snake's mother and that there was whole, some whole twisted mother thing and then somebody goes no that's Ocelot's mother I was like what? <laughs> where, where did that come from? Well, there's in a scene that I wasn't in it, I think there's like one line in a Kodak conversation somewhere that's like like there's so much more than just lovers and you're like oh like they're not because they totally come off as like mother daughter like they have this super enigmatic mother son, mother, son I mean mother super son, yeah. super enigmatic relationship and you, you, you don't really know what's going on yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that she, you know, and they keep calling her the mother of special forces and stuff. And so, I don't know, I just through playing through the game and, and recording it, I it seemed clear to me that she was the eventual progenitor of Solid Snake. And then it turned out to be Eva. And so it's stuff like that that I, I get wrong or don't. I mean, I, I just don't have enough uh, RAM in my head to hold all of the twisted details of this world together, which... You know, it might be disappointing to some fans, but I do know it pretty well. I mean, you know, I can have informed conversations about the, you know, genetic lines of, of Metal Gear, but um, but it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It's it's weird. It's really weird stuff. Like, even when I'm trying to explain this to people, I sort of step back and listen to myself trying to explain it. And I'm like, this is absurd. Yeah, what am I even is, talking about? Is, He's got a spot a guy who's a clone. He's got to stop the nukes because his other clone's going to launch the nukes and right. let their father's controlling everything. And if they don't find the genetic material from his father's corpse, which has been taken over to the thing, then they're not going to yeah. be able to stop the nukes. Yeah. Cause the and only the fake corpse was burned because there was another clone who was a perfect clone. He's like, right. what am I saying? Like, this is the <laughs> craziest thing. You could fall into, you could fall into a, you know, a, a pit of of uh, insanity just discussing Gray Fox, you know, and where he comes from and yes. how he's connected to the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And he's barely in it, you know. Yeah, he's never... I'm, I, I still have my bets placed that there will be an upcoming game featuring Gray Fox. Uh, yeah, I hope so. He's a pretty cool character. Very awesome character. Yeah. If, if you're hoping for hints from me, nobody tells me squat. So, <laughs> you know, like, I, I until the day I go in to start recording, I am as as in the dark as anybody. Yeah, I get that from your tweets and all your interviews and stuff where people are hounding you for information. Yeah, they're like, they're like, is Solid Snake in Metal Gear 5? I'm like, I have no idea. Have so no how far idea. in advance do you, do you get notification that you're going to be doing some voice acting for a Metal Gear game? Well, they do it. It's really, you know, not long, like a few weeks before I'm supposed to start recording, which can be problematic because, like, when we were doing... Metal Gear 2, they called me to do Metal Gear 2. I was writing the, the Hulk and Chronicles of Riddick at the same time. Now, just for full disclosure, the eventual movies did not reflect the scripts that I wrote for those movies. Um, Chronicles of Riddick was good. Well, that's yeah. fine. It was, very, <laughs> it was very, very different from what I had written. So I don't want people assigning me credit for David Toohey's work or, or Ang Lee's work or, or whatever. It's like... Um, I wrote those movies and then they were completely rewritten. But nonetheless, I was right in the middle of both of them. And then I think on Metal Gear 3, I was working on Iron Man and something else, X-Men 2 or I, I don't know, something. Uh, so I'm always extremely busy and I'm like, and right now I'm about to go direct a movie. So I told them, I was like, if you're going to come to me to do this, you have to let me know in advance so we can work it out schedule-wise. I can't just walk off the set and do eight months of recording for for the game just because that's the way you've got to schedule. So, you know, it, it does get a little dicey um, 
how in the dark I am, you know, sometimes. So we're trying to we're trying to figure that out early this time. Yeah, um, I, I read a story, and it, it was a story about uh, Quentin Flynn, the guy who do, who does uh, Ryden. Ryden's voice. Yes, and. Metal Gear Rising was mentioned a couple years ago, and we all assumed that the the production was happening, the game was being developed, but there was a story that said that uh, Quinn Flynn had not been informed about doing the, the voice right. just yet. I think you were involved with the story. Do, do you recall what I'm, uh, what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, Quentin called me, and yeah. you know, he, wanted, he was upset, and he wanted to discuss it with me, and I... You know, Quentin's a friend and and um, and a very talented guy, and I think he's sort of inextricably linked with Ryden. So, but you know, there wasn't much I could do about it. I mean, I, I, you know, sympathized with him and told him, you know, get in touch with Konami and and discuss it with them. Uh, but beyond that, I, you know, wasn't wasn't much I could do. They don't, they don't really listen to me. <laughs> just a shoulder shoulder but to cry on. That's just it, right? They don't they don't they don't give you a heads up. They'll literally call you one day and be like, hey, I need you to, I need, we need some lines. Dave, we need you to fly down to Japan here to lay down this video. Yeah, yeah well, that would be great. I, 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 all of it's been done in Southern California. I'd rather go to Japan, but um, yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, or people ask me because I'm a screenwriter, you know, how much influence do you have on the story? And I'm like, none. I, I mean, if I, if I say, look, I think he'd say and here instead of uh, if, they had to call Japan and get that clear. You know, I mean, every syllable hmm. laid out to the timing of the game, to the timing of the cutscenes, all that stuff. So, so I don't have any impact on that. And that's fine. I mean, I, I, I am on this series as an actor only. I mean, you know, now and again, I'll, I'll say, hey, can I say this? It might be a little cooler. And as long as the syllables all fit, they'll let me do it. Um, but I am strictly an actor and, and as an actor. You know, people get the wrong impression of when you see the lead in a game or a movie or whatever, you see so much of me in that game that you think, oh, I must have this massive input on it. But that is not the case. They work on the games for years and put together this massive operation and they come to me and I work on it. You know, they come to me and say, we need you to record in a couple of weeks. And I come in and, and I put in, uh, it was 10 days on the first game and it was about eight months on the final game. Wow. On Metal Gear 4. So, wow. So I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a workhorse. I come in and I, I, I do it and I try to do it great and, and I love the job and that's, that's my involvement. One of the questions I always had for voice acting, especially Metal Gear Solid more so than others, is that, in certain games with voiceovers, you can tell that one person went into the room, did their lines, and then like three or four days later, somebody else went in and did the responding line to that. Right. Um, so they're not acting with each other. Was that the case with the Metal Gear games? Because I feel like the, the acting is so spot on with all that. It's, it's really interactive with the different actors. So were you actually in the studio with people that you were talking with at the time? Yeah, and that's that's something that I do try to make sure is is going to happen. Um, there's two things that I, I, you know, I try to insist on because they just make the game so much better. And that is, one, I need to be able to see what Snake is doing, how he's moving, how he, what action he's taking while he's saying the lines, and I can make it sound like I'm moving my body that way. Like for example. With Metal Gear 4, you know, he's old. So when he gets up out of a chair, it should have a, you know, like a little, just creaky old man sounds, things like that. It just gives, or when he pulls himself up onto a ledge, you know, takes a little more effort than it does. Struggling, yeah. Solid. You know, it's like, ah, you know, and you hear, and I can put in little sounds of like, ah, Jesus, my muscles are seizing up, you know, or, or whatever. So <laughs> I, like, I like to have that. Because uh, we didn't have that on Metal Gear 3. On Metal Gear 3, all we had was the timing of each line. So if you watch Metal Gear 3, I'm acting with the other actors in the room, but I can't see what my body's doing. So very often his body will be in a, an aggressive position and I'm doing a more neutral delivery. You know, it's, it's, it's just not as good. Um, but And then the other joy of this job for me is... I sit in the booth 
And for each of those scenes, those amazing scenes, they bring in these incredible top-notch voice actors who just come in and they do their scenes with me and then they leave and somebody else comes, you know, Steve Blum will come in and he'll do his scenes and he'll be amazing and he'll go on his way. And they just bring in actor after actor to do these scenes and it's great. And so, you know, I very much, sometimes I record off, um, uh, off, uh, sync with those people, you know, the, the, somebody just schedule wise, somebody will come in, do their scenes and I have to do it with them or I put mine down first. And I try to put a great deal of effort into making it sound like I'm coming off of somebody's sentence, you know, um, which is a specific, um, skill that I have tried to develop for, for this. So it'll all sound interactive, but for the most part, you know, I'm in the room doing the scenes with the people and that, that gives it so much more life and, and reality. What, uh, what, just, what's your relationship like with, uh, with the other actors? I mean, are you, are you guys all great friends or are you like sick of seeing Christopher Randolph for <laughs> 120 hours every game? <laughs> oh yeah. It's the worst. You know, the thing is, it's like you're in a booth. So, is personal hygiene beyond your capability? <laughs> I don't, no. Um, no, I'm very good friends with Christopher Randolph. Uh, he actually lives in New York and flies out to L.A. to do Otacon. Uh, you know, they fly him out. It's a great gig, you know. And, um, and so I, I have a blast with Christopher. I think Christopher and I have the funniest exchanges in the, in the game. You know, we just have this long-running, the relationship between... Uh, Snake and Otacon is, is it's like Abbott and Costello, you know, I mean, it's, it's just super fun. And so we do a lot of joking around. We do a lot of like outtake lines and, and, um, you know, expanding on our romance lines, things like that. <laughs> um, Jennifer Hale is one of my very best friends and one of the greatest voice actresses in the world. And, um, she, so she, we're, we're friends outside of the, the voiceover world, like, um, you know, we, we all went skiing, her family and my family went skiing, uh, not too long ago. And, um, Kim, my guest, uh, who's Mei Ling is an old friend of mine. Um, Debbie Mae West, I only know from the games, but she's a delight and we have a great time hanging out. And then some of them, I, d I don't really know very well at all. They come in for a few days and we have a great time and then they go away and that's, that's the actor's life. Yeah. Can you tell Jennifer Hale that I loved her in Mass Effect? I will tell her. That. She did a great job in that game. She'll Check be like, oh, so Matt feels that way. Very good. Was that Matt? It was Oliver. Oh, Oliver. <laughs> Matt also his feels that way, though. Knowledge of Metal Gear is, his, his knowledge of Mass Effect is only rivaled by his knowledge of Metal Gear. Fair enough. All right. Well, I will let uh, Thank you very much. Jennifer know. I don't type her uh, an email right <laughs> Uh, a question I, I've always wondered was, what was your inspiration for Solid Snake when you first went in there? Uh, he's he's obviously a, uh, like just a, just a combat veteran, but you gave it the the gravelly voice, just just a, just a hard gravelly voice. What what made you do it that way? Was that your first thought to to go in that direction, or no. did you try a few things? No, it, it, no. I auditioned with another voice, uh, very a lot closer to my own voice. But I was young at the time. Um, fortunately, I got over that, uh, <laughs> and so and I sounded young. You know, I sounded like a young hero, and I figured that's what they wanted. But then, you know, they sent. It was two weeks between the audition and when I came in to record the thing, and I had all the materials. In the meantime, I had the script. I had a bunch of the artwork. I had all these things to go over. And when I was reading the script, I was like, this guy's already retired. I mean, he, you know, he's gone, and not only retired, but he's bought a ranch in Alaska and races sled dogs. This is a guy who is actively escaping his past as a soldier, and now they're bringing him back into it. So it seemed to me that he'd be a lot harder, a lot more cynical than, than I was at that time. Um, I'm catching up with him now, but uh, he, you know, it was all about that, you know, why did you bring me back here? And I wanted to have, and then it just sort of developed. I, I, I didn't, you know, so I started doing this harder voice, but I didn't want it to be 
to Clint Eastwood, and I certainly, I really didn't want it to be Kurt Russell from Escape from New York, because clearly that was an influence. Yeah, yeah. So Kurt Russell in Escape from New York, it's one of my top ten favorite films of all time. I watch it, you know, uh, at least once a year, and he, and he's got, call me Snake, you know, call me, call me Snake, and it's something, I don't know, something like that, it's, <laughs> it's a lot more whispery, you know, it's almost like he won't raise his voice, and so I didn't want to do that, and, and then it was too Clint Eastwood what I was doing, so I just took it further, and I just said, okay, gravelier, gravelier, you know, let's really, you know, do something, and it wasn't really, it was a video game, so it wasn't really intended to be a real person's voice. I wanted to sort of give a video game experience voice. You know what I mean? And uh, and then I came in, and so I, so I did it, and we started recording. We did the whole first day before Chris played back for me my original audition, and it was totally different. <laughs> I was like, well, I hope they're not going to be upset by how much I've changed this from what they hired, you know, but but they weren't. They were fine, and, it, and the rest is, is history. Plus, the guy smokes nonstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He smoked, yeah, he smoked. crazy. He's he's you know, I, I mean, I didn't figure he was older. I figured he was probably in his you know mid to late thirties. But he's retired from special forces, so he's seen a lot. He's done a lot, and he's just over it. You know, so that's what I wanted it to sound like. You know, a guy who had been just stomped into the gravel for twenty years, and then just said enough, and then now he's coming back. You know? To get stomped even more. To get stomped in ways he can't even imagine. Yeah, for sure. And then microwave. Microwave. Yeah, that was grueling. What a great scene. Yeah, it was hard to play. I mean, it was... Yeah, you uh, felt his pain, right? Mashing that triangle button, you felt it like, ah. Literally. Well, not only that, but I can't... Carpal tunnels. I can't play the game without my diaphragm seizing up and my my larynx dropping into my... uh, (laughs) Uh, my guts, you know, I, I'm just every time he gets hit by a bullet or gets electrocuted, I feel it in my in my uh, internal organs. So you know, it it really is has a lot of it takes takes a big toll on me. That's funny because we mentioned before before you came on, we were sort of jo- joking between us, like, well, I wonder if David knows where the where the line is between David Hayter and Salt and Snake. So you just answered that for us because you feel okay. every bullet, every every bruise. I this. do, I do. Except he's not me. You know, we just share the same vocal cords, the same body. You know, he, <laughs> just, I don't. You know, I, I very much. He's got my inherent viciousness, and he's got. Um, Would you say that he is a clone of you? Maybe. <laughs> What are we getting to here? No, he's, a, he's, he's, he's his own thing. You know, I was just watching. I mean, this all sounds like actor nonsense, and it is to a certain extent. But, but I was just. I'm in. I'm in a film that's coming out um, at the end of this year called The Devil's Mile. I'm a. I play a mafia psychopath, and he. And I'm watching it, and he's got this weird mustache and different hairstyle and all this stuff, and I forgot it was me, and then. And then the credits came up, and it said, "And Dave, and, and starring David Hayter." I was like, "Oh, what did I do in this?" You know, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm that horrible guy." But you know, some characters are so unique and unto themselves that I feel like I step in, and he just, I just let him go. You know, I I step, I I go into the booth, my brain checks out for a while, and Snake just takes over and goes and does his thing. So it's it's not like a clone; it's like being a schizophrenic. You know, like having a completely different personality. So uh, you established this, you know, this pretty unique voice for uh, a Metal Gear Solid. And then I, I don't like, know the numbers. However many years later, you guys came back and actually did Twin Snakes. Which it was probably a year or two later. Um, was it just, it was after Metal Gear 2 came out, wasn't it? Yes. Twin Snakes. Which was only a couple years after 1. Okay, yeah. But I mean, it, that was. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys like totally did the, all the voice work again, right? Yeah, we we had to re-record it all again. And I was like, you you guys already have this. Why are you? And you know, and I was well. Never mind about that. Um, it cost it cost more to hire me at that point than it did for the first one. So I was like, well, why why are we doing this? And they said because the house where we recorded Metal Gear One. 
um, which should be a shrine, you know, that, that Oliver should be visiting every now and again. It's, it's just this little... <laughs> I wasn't aware, but I'll... Well. Yeah, it's a little house in, in, uh, on Orange Street in Hollywood, and it's been converted, the living room was converted into a, um, a, a sound studio. But it wasn't converted into a very good sound studio. And so they, they said that the sound card on the, um, the GameCube was so much better than the original PlayStation that you could now hear the traffic going by like motorcycles <laughs> pulling up the stop sign outside the house uh, over the whole track. So, uh, so that's why we had to re-record it. Because hmm. I I'd always I mean the the sticking point with me is that in uh, Metal Gear Solid, Jennifer Hale has a British accent, and then in Twin Snakes, she just is Jennifer Hale. Hale's- yeah, they made her do that. I mean, she's such a pro; she wouldn't want to have done that. But they, I, I never really understood why why that was. It's probably for the best. I think they um, also changed up. Awesome. Mei Ling, didn't they? Mei Ling also lost her accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I w- something changed too with Ocelot, didn't it? Uh, I know the uh, the naming, maybe just the name in the credits was different. I know there was some kind of difference there. I don't know. I think he was the same. I think he's always Patrick. I um, know that. I'm sorry, Dave. Um, I know that you, a lot of you guys went uh, with pseudonyms for the original Metal yeah. Gear. And then yeah. subsequent ones, you guys started going with the real names. Correct. And yours was... Don Do- Yeah, and that was a callback to your Guyver name? That's right. That was the character I played in Guyver. So I, I wanted I some way with fans to figure out that I was me. <laughs> why, uh, why the pseudonym? Uh, Is that just... Uh, the, 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 that was just how it was done back then, or...? It would no. It was a uh, it was a union non union thing. Oh, okay. Oh. That's interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, never would have made that so connection. That's why. Also, sometimes people will use pseudonyms because they're famous for one character that wouldn't say or do the horrible things they're going to do as another character. So sometimes people come in and be somebody else. Um, so, and there are a couple of examples of that in Metal Gear. Uh, so, yeah, we were different pseudonyms. And then the other thing they changed was Gray Fox, you know, who was um, one guy in the first game and a different guy in the second game. And the guy in the first game, I mean, they were both great. The guy in the first game, I was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. And, and they, for whatever reason, they couldn't get him back. and and uh, had to replace him, so. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, it was a shame. He was, he was good. Uh, well, we're just about out of time with you here, Dave. Uh, just before we leave, some of our listeners have, have written in uh, just a couple short questions here, if you don't mind. Not at all. Uh, I am going to butcher this, this name. Valtteri uh, writes in, he wants to know what, what is the uh, most odd, weird, awkward, or unusual run-in with fans you have ever had? Accepting this podcast. Oh, I would say every every single one has been just stranger than the last. No, um, no, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, what has been the weirdest? I think, well, the, I, I, I've told this story before, but it was pretty cool. I, I was coming back from Toronto, flying back to Los Angeles, and... I, you know, I was here on movie business. And like I say, you know, movie business is my business. You know, that's what's on my mind. I, I'm just, you know, I'm not constantly thinking about Snake. And, and so, which would be weird if I was. Uh, so I'm coming back and, and, this, and I get, you know, just the big mid-40s built like a brick um, glowering uh, customs guy. And so I go up and I give him my... my um, passport and he said were you here for business or pleasure and I said uh, business and he said what do you do and I said uh, I'm I'm a screenwriter and he goes you don't um, uh, you don't do uh, any uh, uh, voices for video games do you and I said yes yes I do 
And he was like, oh my god! He was like, oh my, I can't even believe I'm meeting you. And he shook my hand and he was like, best games I ever played, man. And, um, uh, and then, and then full, full body cavity search, I thought was out of line. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I guess he was really a fan, you know, so... <laughs> no, um, no, there was no uh, cavity search. He let me go, but but that was pretty cool. Um, I think that's I think that's the thing of it. Like, it's so weird to me. I, I, when I was up in uh, I was at the Fan Expo in Vancouver, and I signed autographs for. I, I don't do it very often, you know. But when I do, I try to sign for everybody. I try to make sure everybody gets gets a chance to hang out. And and this kid came. This guy and his brother came up to me. They were had to be in their early 20s and they were literally weeping like you know tears of joy or tears of snakiness or whatever whatever it is i don't know and i'm like you know i get being affected by a video game character but i'm like dude you know chill it's out gonna, it's gonna be so, okay we're gonna get you through this <laughs> we'll get you through it and i just don't i just don't see myself as a you know it's not like tom cruise or harrison ford or these you know these epic legendary guys i mean I get that people are attached to it, but but I'm just a dude, man, and and you know See, it, and I, it's I, I don't know coming from a, from an avid gamer though I think that that it's all perspective it's all relative I mean a lot of people that like movies they really like those those A list actors but people that are right. into video games like I don't know if I speak for everybody but for the longest time your name was the only name that I truly knew as a voice actor in video games from from childhood until just a few years ago so you know when people would say hey. Who's a who's a video game voice actor? Ever Nolan North. <laughs> Until Nolan North came around and started doing every game under the sun, it was right. David Hayter. That that's what that's what my friends and I knew as the voice of video games. It's so funny because because when I got Metal Gear, that's that's when I pretty much quit acting for ten years. You know, I, I did Metal Gear, but that was the only thing I did, and so. To, to be that well known for it is very funny to me, but yeah, I get it. I, like I say, I, I get why the games have such an impact on you, and you really are immersed in them more than you are into your average film, and certainly for a lot longer. So, so I do get it, but it's just surprising to me when you know when grown men are weeping to, to meet me, and I'm like, oh, I don't think they're gonna. I think it's going to be a little, a little. Uh, it's going to pale in comparison to whatever you're imagining is going to happen. <laughs> you know, Dave. Spoilers: If we ever meet, I will probably be weeping. <laughs> so <laughs> just let's just get let's put that on the table so it's not weird when it happens. Not at all. I, I always carry <laughs> a Kleenex, and I'm always I'm always prepared for the <laughs> for the bro love. I mean, that's the thing, you know. Like, I always find it fun when the, you know, when the girls are all into me and they're, they're like, oh, my God, you're Solid Snake. And like, that's really cool. But but the amount I've had more men come up to me and say, look, I'm not gay, but I just love you, dude. Uh, I, I, that happens to me so much more than I ever thought it would. In my life. It's very, it's very flat. That's funny. But I just uh, don't speak that way. I think we've uh, answered most of these questions here. The, the last one I'll, I'll hit you with here is uh, Ever writes in. He wants to know, uh, is there any, and obviously this is picking from a huge pool of, you know, 18 years or, or whatever we said it was. Uh, is there a line that you say in a game that you would consider your absolute favorite? Well, I do love the line. Um... I never thought an analyst of military technology could be so... Cute. <laughs> that's that. That was well, that was one of my favorites. Uh, that's just, the, just played that one the other night. Yeah, Snake's a charmer yeah. in that first game. Yeah, there's just something. He's just like he's using his military knowledge to hit on girls, and I thought that was really fun. And um, my other favorite was when I play. This wasn't from a game, but it was uh, when I played uh, Captain America on the mid '90s Spider-Man series, and. Um, and I had to say the line, "Come on, team, let's win one for democracy." <laughs> so, I thought that was just a, a character-defining uh, moment. You know? So, uh, yeah, those. I mean, those are. I mean, there's 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 lots of them, and people uh, ask me to say them, but I can't think of them. Well, that is uh, that is all the questions that we have. I mean, tons of people wrote in. Thanks to everybody who did, and but you know we just ended up answering them through uh, through the course of our conversation. 
Uh, thanks so much, David, for taking the time to come and talk to us. It's my pleasure. It was it was super fun and and a great honor to be here. So I hope everybody, I hope your audience got uh, a pretty comprehensive uh, answer to to most of their questions. Uh, just Thank you again I, for having me. Just before we leave here, anything uh, that you were working on that, that we should be aware of for the future? Devil's Mile was a movie you said Devil's coming out. Yeah, Devil's Mile. Um, is, is being, uh, you know, is in post right now and should come out at the end of the year. And uh, I think it's going to be a really, really cool, twisted, you know, indie horror movie. Um, I'm up in Toronto to direct my movie Wolves, which looks like we're, we're um, going to go to camera September 6th, uh, if things don't go horribly wrong, as they can do. And um, I guess those are, those are the big upcoming ones that I can talk about. Great. So watch out for those. Thanks again. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to have you back uh, after Metal Gear 5. When and if. Yeah, I'll just, uh, yeah, just <laughs> let me know via uh, my Twitter. Absolutely. Do you want to plug your Twitter? Yeah, my Twitter is uh, at David B. Hater. Um, I have about 11,500 followers. So if you find that one, that's me. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. It was really, really fun. Yeah, yeah it's thanks. A pleasure meeting you. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye bye.